Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. All right. Greetings, folks. And this afternoon, we are here with Jeanette Williams. Jeanette. Hi, Bobby. How are you? I am great. How are you? It's good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you. And it's just a delight for me to be able to hear be with you. Right so on. Thank you. Right on. So, um, Jeanette, uh, what was the cohort you were with? I was with the uh, chronic illness mm-hmm. and caretaker cohort for Community Profile. Got you. Um, and so uh, do you have a chronic illness yourself? Or are you I caregivers? do have a chronic. Yes, I do. I have Parkinson's. Um, and also I have been a caretaker. I was, took care of my aging parents uh, before they passed. But so you were both the things. I was both. I got to. Yeah, I got to mark both boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Well, I born and raised in Seattle. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Yep. Um, I. Uh, uh, went to the University of Washington and wanted to, I auditioned for the professional theater program at the University of Washington, and I did not get in. I was heartbroken. And um, Ted DeArms, who was a, a very well-known actor who was the head of the program at that time, just sort of said, Miss Ciccarelli, I'd suggest you pursue another line of endeavors. And I, my little heart was crushed. Ouch. Yeah. And then I... Somebody said, well, you know, if you don't sleep with Ted, you don't get in. And I went, ow. Wow. So that was that. Hey, this was this was a long time ago. Right. So it was uh, hey, it was the time. Right. Um, so when the, the, the Me Too movement you were, was going around, you were like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was Me Too way back when it was right. Me One. Um, and I'm so glad you said your uh, your um my last mate. name, yes. yeah, your maiden name out loud. Yes. Hey, listen, it's, uh, you know, the full name, if I give it to you, it's Jeanette Maria Morelli Ciccarelli Williams. That's a mouthful. Hey, it's a mouthful. And it's why uh, um had an auspicious beginning of school when I told my kindergarten teacher she was stupid because she called me Jeanette Cicerelli. And I said, it's Ciccarelli stupid. Ouch. Yeah, my mom had to explain, you know. You don't call people stupid? You don't call people <laughs> stupid. We have a hard name to pronounce. <laughs> which I said, I'm only five and I can say it. You know, it was like, no, don't bring that stuff in here on me. Um, so what did you uh, grow up doing? Like, and so. Hey, I was, um, you know, just sort of the, uh, the, uh, the ultimate goal. I always wanted to be a teacher. 
And I knew that. And I, so that's what I spent most of my career doing and taught different things. I've, you know, had a number of jobs, worked at the phone company, worked for a florist, was, you know, worked as a waitress for one night. Um, and just, uh, uh, what kind of teacher? I taught, uh, language arts. I taught English, drama, um, speech, uh, history when they needed it. You know, it was one of those yeah. things, just a little bit of everything. What age groups? Um, I, I loved high school. Uh, middle school kids kind of terrified me. And the little guys were just, no, you know, if they can't get out of the room before they throw up, I'm just not in it. So mm-hmm. that was, so I was very lucky. I had a... It takes a special breed. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work with young people myself and and uh, <laughs> middle school. It's funny because I, I, it seems like I wind up working with middle schoolers more than anybody else. And they're, for me anyway, they're the hardest group to work with. Oh, well, they're, you know, those poor little guys, they're thinking about sex every seven seconds. Seconds. And as soon as you say that to them, you can see their eyes roll back in their head and they're going, I'm going, see, there you go. You know? <laughs> and everything is funny. And it's, uh, you know, the girls are more mature. The boys are just trying not to scratch everything. And after, you know, after a while, it's uh, it's just it really is a lot of fun. I think it's got to be tough for the girls because they start out more mature and they end up more mature. Yeah. too. Like the whole the whole way down the line. They're like, yep. damn. <laughs> yeah. I ended my career uh, over 20 years uh, in an independent school and it was a sixth through 12th grade, which was a really just a nice. I, I loved it. Um, and I spent my last 10 years as an administrator. So. I had done administrative work at the college level and, you know, not my favorite. I really liked the life of school and being with kids. And so the kids were great. Right. And the adults, you know, we have our challenges. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Um, so I'm just curious, like, were you writing the whole time? You know, I, I always kept a, a, a diary, you know, sure. the, the good old, you know, your little key and all that sort of thing. And I, I realized, um, I like to write poems and stories that were just probably horrible, but it was, I'm an only child. My parents were a lot older, um, you know, in in Italian families, it's it was pretty unusual. So it was one way that I entertained myself. And I would always sort of write the stories where I was the hero. And so that was uh, that was sort of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So when did you get to Portland and got to Portland um, after I left teaching? Uh, So I've been in Portland nine years. And Seattle got to be too expensive. It was one of those ones that, you know, I couldn't afford. We just couldn't afford to live there anymore. Is Seattle more expensive than Portland? Oh, way, baby. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And um, and Portland has, between Kaiser and OHSU, has one of the best cities in the world to be if you've got Parkinson's. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So, Yeah. So it's uh, so it was uh, kind of a no brainer to come to come to Portland. Yeah, uh, I lived in Seattle for ten years actually. <gasps> oh. um, obviously, I just love the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and I remember in, in both these towns, Portland and Seattle, at one point it really felt like there were cities that um, people lived in to make their lives the way they want them to, to be. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, just recently, like, like you said, like, 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 I, like, you know, like Portland's gotten, has become a lot more expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
No, it's it's uh, so whereabouts in Seattle did you live? Oh, I was there for 10 years and I was, you know, my 20s. I was kind of crazy. So it was like (laughs) Capitol Hill, Central District, uh, downtown, twice. Um, Oh, man. I lived in the Queen Anne District for a little bit. You uh, you were up there. Yeah. 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 I lived in um, Rainier Beach and the University District, the two areas I spent most of most of my life. Spent some time in the U District too. Yeah. 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 And um uh some of my best friends lived out in, the, in Rainier Beach. Oh, hey. Was, yeah. My hood. Yeah. <laughs> uh it was it was a great time. Yeah. It was a great time. Yeah. And so some good theater. You probably did some good theater in Seattle. I did. I did. You know, um, but I also got in a lot of trouble in Seattle, <laughs> you know, um, and then I remember, uh, you know, I wound up in a show, casting a show here. Anyway, you know what? This is not about me. This is about you. No, but so, hey. no, let's, let's talk about you. Okay. Um, uh, and so you were up here. And so, so how did you wind up at Community Profile? How did you find out about it? Well, I, you know, I had been um, attending Profile um productions and sort of in the way back um had even done a little bit of board training it's one of the things i do in my volunteer time with working with nonprofit boards and um a good friend of mine steve young was the president of the board at that time and asked me to come in and do a little sort of little work on how to bring people together to help make some good decisions for the theater um and I just, you know, I sort of fell in love with it. And I thought, you know, it's just, I love the theater. I've done it before. These are some of the things that I'm just really passionate about. And um, then when Josh was hired, I just was so impressed at all the things he had talked about wanting to do. And then came up this opportunity for community profile and, you know, sort of right up my alley. And... um a dear friend, Tim Stapleton, who I know we've talked about before, he just, he said, you know, you have to do this. And I said, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not. And he says, no. And he said, you're going to be my driver. And so <laughs> you're going to do this and we're going to do it together. I went, okay. Um, Tim, so that man, it. that guy had impact. Hey, you know, when uh, Tim told you, you to do something. That. Oh, no, he did. And he knew when he told you he, you were going to do something. You were going to do yeah. it because that was not the option. And so we had a great time. We would uh, carpool together and uh, and enjoy uh, thinking about if we could do is at this point, Tim wasn't able. He wasn't able to walk very well. Uh, he could still he could still walk. But we talked about, you know, doing stand up, but we'd both be sitting down or else <laughs> I'd be, you know, doing my Parkinson's thing. Um, I miss him. I miss him. A great. Sure. Just a great. A great theater artist. Um, great spirit. Great spirit. Yeah. 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 Um, and so how was Community Profile for you? Oh, community, it was amazing. You know, you've got the Writers Guild Initiative that comes in. I mean, you've got, you know, I was sort of in awe because I'm thinking these are big kahunas and they are going to put us through our paces. And the individuals that came were astounding and the members of the group i just i kept thinking you know i am in i am with other people that are pretty great and just need their voices need to be heard right um so i think of all the amazing teachers that we had that you know came and spent time with us and i i mean it was it was absolute gift it's probably one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me i have to say yeah. All right. Right yeah. on. 
And, you know, and the, that profile is continuing to do this, I think, is such a wonderful way to have theater be in the community and the community in theater. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 what it takes. You know, that really is kind of the point. It's like uh, we always talk about how, you know, theater kind of built around two principles, story and community. Um, you can't have theater without both of those things. Yeah. Um, and what are other ways that we can take those twin poles and put those to work in the community, you know? Well, um, it's more, I mean, I just think it's, it's an amazing, an amazing program. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I just do my little thank you all the time for, right on. for that great, that great experience. So Jeanette. Yeah. The moment has arrived. Oh, we want to hear some of your writing. Ooh, this is always the this, this is always the part that I always think makes used to make my students very nervous and always makes me a little bit nervous. I'm going to take a quick sip of water. Uh, well, I'm going to the first the first thing I'm going to read is um, this is a poem that I wrote and you know I. Me, I taught poetry. I taught sort of all these forms. And I never had written a Sestina, which is a very specific poem. It's a, The format is very specific. You have um, words that every line has to end. They're in, you know, six lines. There's six words that always have to be at the end of the line. So... For instance, my words were leaves, guest, laughter, relish, flowers, and disease. So you get to move those around in different forms. And then the last, the very last stanza, you, it's only three lines and you can, you need to use in essence all those words. So I was trying to think of, um, is it leaves? Guest. Guest. Laughter. Laughter. Relish. Relish. Flowers. Okay. And disease. Gotcha. So um, I was trying to, I was really trying to work on something, coming to terms with this whole Parkinson's thing, because I just, it was, um, it was sort of not a shock, but I had been diagnosed way back in 89 with fibromyalgia. And now in retrospect, it probably was the first beginnings of Parkinson's that just didn't, because I was younger and so they didn't think about it. So I was trying to th think of how to not be sorry for myself and sort of get out of my own head. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try and think of... Um, something that I can do that's going to just kind of help me. And I like being out of doors. I like being in nature. And at the time, um, there were these beautiful aspen trees that I was looking at. And I thought, ah, quaking aspens, that's it. Um, you know, because I quake and shake. So that was the inspiration for this. The quaking, Sestina. Quaking aspens shake their leaves. Is it a salutation to an unseen guest? Applause from the deaf? Or laughter at birds who seem to relish the grub-laden branches, suns, flowers? My quaking, my happy hand, is merely disease. Family, pesticides, or other toxins encourage this disease. 
to come from its hiding place hidden by veined leaves. A breeze-born rustling soon flowers into an uninvited eternal guest. The graceful sway of limbs, a moment to relish, takes a back branch to the necessity of laughter. The best medicine is laughter, people say, who do not know disease. Now make sure that each day you relish all the small things before your body leaves you unable to be the gayest of guests. It is fine, I think, to be home and tend my flowers. There will come a time when I won't be able to stop and smell the flowers, smell being lost, that sense replaced by laughter. My forever companion, my settled-in guest, these are the names I prefer for this disease. Once the thing is named, it leaves endless possibilities for the host to relish. Water, sun, and earth are the elements the aspens relish. I see their beautiful fuzzy tassels as lovely flowers, unappreciated by most due to the spectacular leaves which, when stirred by the wind, mimic soft laughter. All this quaking and clapping cause such dis-ease to the wrens and goldfinches who are the primary guests. I watch and study these small jewel-burst guests and consider that what they relish might be the same as me, with or without disease. We both do our own version of Dance of the Flowers, we chatter with kin punctuated by cackling laughter, and on a hot afternoon find refuge in the shade of our aspen's leaves. Em embarrassed to admit that this disease guest has become my prized biomass, whose glossy leaves I relish, I stand, limbs quaking with laughter. Oof. It's so, it's so, I mean, um, the recontextualizing of this thing and like, and like, and you were talking about, um, you know, not feeling sorry for yourself, right? which, you know, it's Parkinson's. Like if you did feel sorry for yourself, you know, the rest of us are like, that's, you know, you, you kind of earn that, you know, but, uh, you finding this, this metaphor in the behavior of nature, mm, yeah, you know, it, um, and then in quaking laughter at the end. You know, uh, it's really striking um, and moving. Oh, well, thanks. You know, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I. you know, I'm a firm believer. You got to laugh. I mean, you just, you won't last if you don't laugh. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it just makes, it makes life a little bit better. And I think for me, it helps me. If I can make a joke about something, it's going to put other people at ease. And so they won't be, you know nervous or not know what to do or say or you know just it just feels like it's the best way to sort of go through life well you also turn it into something beautiful oh well thank you that's you very know, sweet it's, yeah it's uh it's one like spectacular image after another um well i have to tell you i've never written another sestina because that is 
work. Took some work, did it? Oh, honey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you say that you uh, <laughs> gave this to your kids in class? No, you know what? I This is one of the things I never had them do this. Oh, I'm because, say that. <laughs> because it is, it's such a, you know, it is, it's a challenging format. And for a lot of kids, they're so scared of poetry. You know, I just would say, listen, it's a story that doesn't go all the way to the end of the line. Think of it that way and just read it that way. You know, you don't have to. It doesn't have to rhyme. You don't have to sing song. And what do you think it comes from? The fear of poetry? I think somehow that it is um, the sense that it is something um, very um almost ethereal and you have to be very erudite to be able to write it and you know that it's somehow not reachable by just anybody and it is so reachable by all of us i mean i i just think you know hey the greeks did it i mean you can do haiku what a great way to do poetry and just to let people sort of be free and get their minds around Playing with words and the way that they, that they feel. I think, you know, the thing I love about poetry and the theater is it, there, you have to say them out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do it in your head. Mm-hmm. And once you give it that orality, all of a sudden it just has a, it just becomes luscious. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's one of those things that like, you know, it, it never stays still. Like there's so many different yeah. kinds of poetry, you know, just make it your own. Yes. Um, yes. It feels like the most important thing, like like almost all art, is to be honest. Yes. You know, to, to be coming from a, a real place. Yes, I told the only thing I told kids is they the thing that they could not say is they could not end a poem by saying that they ascended the stairway and opened the door to nowhere. I said you may not you may you may not <laughs> use that. I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> so yeah. that's it was it was and they would laugh. They would. They would get that that was just me being me. But. Right. Right. Uh, well, lovely work. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Uh, Thank yeah. you. It was, uh, you know, again, it was, uh, it was nice to have people who also would offer you feedback. Uh, and the, the safety of the community profile to be able to share work and have people give you honest feedback, but in a very... You know, in in almost a sacred way, was was terrific. And hold on a second, folks. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back with Jeanette Williams. I'm feeling jolly, jolly, jolly. Let's let the creativity and self-expression commence. Profile Theater, yeah, they're here to present to you a free writing workshop for any LGBTQ plus and BIPOC individual. You could choose to sit with us in a room in the physical, or you could join through Zoom and do it virtual. Long as you're 18 through 30 years old, you'll have the opportunity to write, learn, and grow from some of the most prominent writers this world has known. Learn to get in your zone. And they'll teach you how to hone all your skills, all your talents, all your writing powers. An affinity space full of artists once a month for three hours. Making major changes across the nation. Just by using your imagination and you might be thinking, where is the location? 
Well, it's where outside the frame is in downtown Portland up the stairs in the Union Station. You know the train station building with the big sign that says go by train. Get your chance train. to pull or express yourself in, in a major way. way. We're here to listen to anything that you gotta say. We want to hear your voice, use your words and take them straight off the page. Even if you're thinking that you got no style. Even if you haven't wrote for a while. Come on down to Community Profile and let your creativity flow and go wild. And we are back to Voices from the Real World with Jeanette Williams. So uh, your next piece. My next um, piece is, you know, I'm um, I'm working on a memoir or trying to trying to think about writing. My ultimate goal when I started at Community Profile was I wanted to do sort of a, a one woman stand up. Let's let's have a let's have a fun look at um, an Italian with Parkinson's because how would you know the difference, right? Because Italians are sort of moving and shaking all <laughs> all the time, and it was uh, you know it's just so I thought you know there's some things that I can do to dispel this notion of of uh, of disease, and so I started collecting things that I um, had had written and trying to think about what are the things that, you know, had sort of hit me as part of, uh, part of uh, having this disease that can be somewhat invisible uh, unless you're in sort of full on um, shake and bake. But um, this was a, a part that I had written and Actually, it was um, written for my application to um, perform an unconditional uh, play that that um, profile had contracted with Ping Chong. Sarah Zatz came out, mm-hmm. and there was were six of us who who did this show. Staged. It was really, I would say, staged reading uh, about our stories, and so this was part of of that in Great. taking a look at that. Um, so here it is dumb things people say when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 1989 my neurosurgeon told me that people would tell me that wasn't a real disorder and even among his colleagues there were doctors who said it wasn't real and the chronic pain was quote all in my head I did not tell my employer that I had been diagnosed with this until 1999. I didn't want to say I had this thing that some people thought wasn't real. It was only through helping a colleague who had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia that I finally came clean about having this neurological syndrome. As my symptoms became more pronounced and as I was less able to maintain my schedule of 60-hour work weeks, did I realize that this was having a major impact on my life. Asking for help at the grocery store and seeing the look of, why do you need help, on the faces of clerks led me to not ask for help and struggle to try to carry heavy bags. One of my favorite comments was, are you sure you're not just menopausal? This is from a man who I think thought this was the all-purpose excuse for women dealing with any physical issue. 
when I would, was diagnosed with Parkinson's, people would cheer me up by saying that, well, nobody I know has ever died from Parkinson's. And, well, you don't move like Michael J. Fox. And are you sure you have Parkinson's? And one of my favorites, if you try really hard, you can focus and not have the shakes or fall down. You just need to pay attention. I had started a Parkinson's support group in my town in Washington. The worst story I ever heard was one of the women being thrown out of Walmart with the admonishment that she better not come back until she sobered up. Luckily, I have a wallet card that says, I am not intoxicated. I have Parkinson's disease. Things that have helped are positive comments. Friends have been very kind and will tell me they admire my positive attitude. I believe that she who laughs, lasts. Humor and laughter are good medicine. I do see the humor in Parkinson's and can easily point out all the things that you should never have a person with Parkinson's do. Diffusing bombs, skeet shooting, knife throwing at the circus, and being in the cast of any Cirque du Soleil. My current neurologist tells me how good I look every time I see him. But I find this unhelpful, since I can't see how much pain I'm in or how long it takes me to get this look. I know how slow I move and how long it takes me to complete basic tasks that I could dash off in the past. I work hard to keep upbeat and remember that it takes fewer facial muscles to smile than it does to frown. My mother, who lived until 95, would always say, Every day upright and with clean underwear is a good day. And that's how I roll these days. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, that is a terrific piece. Um, and, I've, and I've had this happen before with um, different people who've written di- different stuff just and who've uh, come in onto this podcast because it's just so painful to know that somebody had to go through that. Some of the stuff, like some of the dumb things people say. Yeah, but I think that people say dumb things. I mean, hey, we can take a look around, and I think, boy, we we have people saying dumb things today to all kinds of folks. I mean, everybody's got something, right? And the, the permission that was given during... Um, the previous four years of a resident at in the White House, you know, it's kind of like all dumb things Back said out again. Yeah, you know, it's like no, we need to think about what we're saying and doing, and to be more civil. Um, but or you know, polite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so often uh, when people talk about PC this or PC that, I mean, it's like. All people want is for you to be polite. Yeah. You know, I mean. Um, yeah. What happened to kindness? You know, That's, you, and, know it's... Uh, you fighting for your right to be rude is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, and, even, and even with that, and, and, like, and, and this was, uh, a, you know, a while ago. Um, but like, are you sure you're just not menopausal? <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody said that out loud? Yes. Yes. And I Holy just. You know, I it was so funny because I just looked and I thought, oh, my God, I just, you know, I had the I had the really smart, snarky comeback. But I thought, nah, I'll just uh, I'll just say, you know, I'm sure that is your all purpose answer for everything. And, you know, I sure I sure hope you don't have someone in your life that has to endure all this crap. 
And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World, featuring Jeanette Williams. Thank you, of course, to Jeanette. Um, and thank you to our creative team, Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A. K. Gano, sound engineer, um, Rodi Ortega, composer, and Sam Mowry and the Willamette Radio Workshop, the recording engineer. Um, all of which exist on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kaflamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala Bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin Band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them, and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea. Thank you for joining us for Voices from the Real World. To hear m- more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air, where you will find other episodes of both this and Satellite Beyond the Page. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.